Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. finishes and anybody who wants to be prayed for it. So I come walking down thinking that, you know, it's going to be a, a quick, um, I'm going to get a pill and everything is going to be better. And so I kneel down at the little altar and uh, Earl comes up to me and goes, Dennis, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And I went, okay. And, and then people came over and they anointed me with oil and they prayed with me and, and I'm crying and they're crying. And then I went home and, uh, it was probably a few more years before I could say that I became a Jesus follower. Now, don't get me wrong. I was going to church. I was serving in the church. I was doing all the things that Christians do that they're supposed to do, you know, being part of a small group. But it wasn't until about 1998 that, that something clicked in me. See, I've, I've grown to recognize that making Jesus Savior, that's easy peasy right there. Like everybody is into being saved from hell. I mean, nobody goes, well, yeah, people joke, oh, I guess I got my own sweet in hell. That's not even funny. But, but everybody makes, it's easy to make Jesus Savior. Oh, but make him Lord. That's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different mindset. That's a whole different engagement. To be saved from sin, that's easy. But to make him Lord, or maybe a better phrase would be to surrender your life to his lordship. That's a whole different uh, bag of marbles, I guess. Sometimes I, I wonder and I think, you know, that November morning, was I really saved? Like, did justification take place? And I'm going to have to say, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I had faith in Jesus. And that's what the scripture says. We're not saved by works. We're not, we're, but we're saved by grace and faith. And so I, I do believe that there was this saving grace upon my life. I had the bells and whistles going off. But there was something missing. And I didn't know something was missing, missing until I knew something was missing. And it happened, I was at a worship conference. And I was serving at the worship team at the church I was at. And... Um, you know, national worship leaders were there, and, and I'm, I remember just standing there and just thinking about worship and leading worship and, and ministry, um, and this is like 1998, and I heard for the first time, um, only this, uh, I've only heard it twice, but this was the first time I heard the audible voice of God, like, it's in my head, and, 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 and I heard it, and it wasn't just a sense, it wasn't, um, you know, your own self-talking. It was a voice as clear as day and said, one day you will be in full-time ministry, and that was it. I said, okay. But in that moment, things changed. That moment, for some reason, I began to engage in a different way, in a different level. Now, it, it would be another six years before that promise of God came to fruition. It was 2004 when finally after a whole big ordeal, um, I was voted in as a pastor of, of student ministries. 
And so this, this, there's this journey that took place. So, you know, I got saved in 95, but I really felt like I didn't become a follower of Jesus until 98. And God's promise in 98 didn't come to fruition until 2004. And so there was this, this change in me. There was this uh, maturity or a growing or, dare I say, a deeper revelation of who Christ is. The texts that we're going to deal with today, um, they, they're kind of, uh, they show us this, this, this journey that people are on. Um, it, it really talks about people who are engaging Christ or religious people who have yet to experience the reality or the person of Jesus or the reality and the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there, there are, I am, I am confident that there are people each and every week and every church across our country that sit in church week after week, and they have yet to experience the fullness of Christ. In fact, Acts chapter 19, we're going to look at it. Paul asks a group of disciples, have you, have you, been, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? So here we have these disciples who are following Jesus, and yet, and you'll see, they haven't even heard of the Spirit of God yet. as we pastors preach Sunday to Sunday, we really can't discern fully who has had that life-changing encounter with the Spirit of God. Hundreds of thousands of people in the United States profess some type of belief in Jesus. And I always crack up during this time of the year because some people get so angry over the phrase, happy holidays. It's Christmas, and, it's, and you're not going to take Merry Christmas away. And, and I find that majority of those people haven't darkened the door of a church their entire life, but they are adamant that it's Merry Christmas. And so we as a nation, there's hundreds of thousands of people that profess Christ. And, and, and I have to say that if somebody wishes you a happy holidays, maybe they're paying you a compliment because you look Jewish and they don't want to offend you. Just think about that for a moment. So I digress. So anyway, um, and, and so... Um, some and, and there's then there's other people who attend church and they participate in church and they give an offering and they have a reverence for God and, and they try to follow biblical morality and yet in their life there's no passion there's no there's no fire for the things of God there's no life in abundance that Jesus came and died for on the cross because they don't know him they haven't fully experienced him. In Acts, the end of chapter 18 and the beginning of chapter 19, we're going to see these, uh, these kind of profiles of some people who are, who are on this journey to the fullness of Christ. And, and I wonder if somebody here is going to find themselves in uh, that place of Apollos or, or the 12 disciples um, where, where they're, they're just not quite, they haven't understood or experienced the fullness of all that Jesus has for us. We're going to see that there's some that have been forgiven of their sin, and yet they're missing, they're missing the power of God in their lives. They're missing the power of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of what Jesus came to give on the cross. And so let's just pick up chapter 18. Go ahead, bud. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Apollos is the kind of guy that when he would walk 
into the basement of the Baptist church for the potluck meal, all of the grandmas would want him to try their casserole. He just kind of filled the room. He knew the scripture. He knew how to unpack the scripture. He knew how to kind of apply it to people's life. Luke says that he, he preached or he spoke with a fervor, and that, and that, uh, that term fervor literally means with a... With a um, burning or, or boiling hot. So this guy is on fire, but he only knows the baptism of John, which is a baptism in water for repentance. So with all of this God-given uh, grace in his life, he doesn't know Jesus fully. He taught accurately the things of the Messiah, but there was a, a, a certain intimacy that was missing, a certain power that was missing. Knowledge about Jesus had to be transformed to a relationship with Jesus. John's baptism pointed to Christ. John's baptism was a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Apollos is looking forward towards the Messiah. He was bringing God's, uh, John's message to the people. Repent, repent. The Messiah is on his way. He was missing the resurrection. He was missing the cross. He was missing the death of Christ. And he was missing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he also had this passion for his people, the Jews. And that's why he is speaking with this fervor. He is speaking with this excitement. And then the next verse, verse 26, we read. He began to, to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard them, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Remember Aquila and Priscilla, we met them last week, really good friends of Paul's. Um, Paul writes in Romans chapter 16 that this couple, they, they put their life on the line, not only for Paul himself, but for the gospel. And so they hear this Apollos and they hear him talking, and they, they catch on that there's a lacking of understanding in his words. And they don't, they don't correct him publicly. They don't go, hey, Apollos, you're wrong. Let's debate this thing. You got to get it together. They see that God is at work in him. They see that there's grace and there's mercy in him. They see that there's a certain anointing in this man's life, but it's not full yet. It's not in its complete form yet. And so, by the grace of God, this husband and wife, they invite Apollos, Apollos to their house. They don't have this nitpicking attitude of arrogance, but they invite him, and they kind of love on him. And they teach him the way of God more accurately. They teach him the message of the cross. They teach him Jesus. They teach him the resurrection. They teach him about the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have in the, in the text a confirmation that Apollos was baptized into the name of Jesus or that Apollos was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But as we see the story unfold, it makes sense that that's exactly what would happen. And what I find interesting is the Spirit of God could have just corrected Apollos in his teaching, but for some reason, the Holy Spirit loves to work through God's people. Like the Spirit of God is longing to work through each and every Christian who professes faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to. He doesn't need us, but it's his pleasure to do so. And he does so with this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. 
And I think I have the sense with Apollos that he came to an understanding that his religion wasn't enough. Because when he was presented with the full truth of the gospel, the full truth of God, he embraced it wholeheartedly. Look at the next verses. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews, Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. See, this is where I believe how we know that Apollos was baptized in the Holy Spirit and that he was baptized into the name of Jesus because he was able to go to a different city. He had a great commendation from the brothers and the sisters, and he spoke in a different way. He refuted the Jews. He pointed them now to Jesus. There's this new power in his life. There's this new energy in his words. He has now become an ambassador for the gospel, all because a couple decided to bring him in and to love on him and to explain to him and to impart to him the completeness of who God is. Martin Luther, he would speculate that it was Apollos that wrote the book of Hebrews. And we really don't know. There's a lot of speculation over the authorship of that New Testament book. But Martin Luther said, I think it's Apollos. This man began to understand the fullness of who God is because of the simple discipleship of a husband and wife. They set this man on fire with the Spirit of God. And so that's Apollos. And now we go, we come to Paul in chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. When it says that Paul found some disciples, we know that in somehow, in some way, that these people were followers of Jesus. They were looking for the Messiah, but they have yet to be baptized in the name of Jesus. They yet to be baptized uh, with the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Paul asked them, well, when you believed, when you believed in Jesus, didn't you receive the Spirit? And they, well, we don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. Now, I don't believe that they didn't, they've never heard of it. I'm sure they've heard the stories of Jesus. When he was baptized by John and the Spirit had descended upon him like a dove, um, the, the act of Pentecost in Jerusalem when, when the Spirit was, was unleashed, when, when John said, I come to baptize you with water for the forgiveness of sin, but one will come after me more powerful than I. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I think these disciples were missing the fact that they now can have the Spirit of God residing in them for themselves. That that same power that, was avail- that rose Jesus from the dead is now available to them. They haven't heard that there is a baptism of the Spirit. They haven't heard that they can receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul knows what to do. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
There were about 12 men in all. It's like a mini Pentecost all over again. In fact, we find four Pentecosts, this, this spirit coming upon a group of people in the book of Acts. First in Jerusalem um, on the original day of Pentecost when the, when the disciples received the spirit of God. And then through Philip with, in the, uh, with the, Samaria, the Samaritans and with the Gentiles and Peter. And now with the dispersed Jews and Paul. Paul knows what to do. He points them in the right direction. He lays his hands on them, and they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and power came upon them. Now, when, when sometimes I, I read uh, the scripture and I read these stories, they're, they're words on a page, and, and I have to let my mind and my imagination kind of run a little while because these are real people that this is taking place to in a real house with with, um, within a community, within a country. And, and sometimes we miss that. And I can, I can imagine what took place in that moment when the Spirit of God came upon them. Tears and hugs and high fives. Okay, maybe not high fives. But there was excitement in the room. And they began to pray and to speak in other tongues. And they began to, to prophesy. They're not talking about telling people uh, the future. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 14 prophecy, that they were able to speak words to one another that encouraged one another, that comforted one another, and that strengthened each other. These are, this is the evidence and the fruit of the Spirit of God that has come upon people, the same Spirit that's available to us today. And so... The Spirit of God that has come upon these 12 men is going to have consequences for generations to come. I would hope you would understand something this morning, that your faith and your empowerment of the Spirit and the way you live out that faith is not just for you. Now, I'm not... I'm not saying that you have to go out and share your faith, which you should, but I won't say that now. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, I'm talking about the, the life that you live in the Spirit, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit of God. That life that you live will have an effect on your family and your friends for generations to come. With the Spirit living inside you, the power of God living inside you, your words can break curses. I don't want to get all um, demonic on you, but curses are demonic. It's the absence of the blessings of God. And with the power of the Spirit that reside, that's residing in you, you can speak to those curses, and they're broken. That's the power that we have because of the Holy Spirit. And then on the, on the flip side of that, you can speak blessing where there was no blessing at all. And you can see that blessing come to fruition. And you can speak healing. And you could speak words of prophecy. Not future telling prophecy. But I'm talking about encouraging words. You've heard a message from the Lord for someone to encourage them, to strengthen them, or to comfort them. These, this is what we can live life like when we have received that power that's available to all of us. And dare I even say that we can speak blessing over generations to come and we can break curses over generations to come. 
is kind of what Jesus would say about it in John chapter 7. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that when it's in you, that rivers of living water will flow from you. You ever see a river flow? It moves stuff. Things get swept up in the current. Things get washed away. Things get brought in. There is movement. There is power. There is motion. And when we have received that Spirit of God, streams of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit comes out of us, goes before us, goes on the sides of us, out the back of us. We can move things. We can tell things no. We can say yes. We can bind. We can loosen. These are all promises of the Scripture. Your life can have generational consequences because of the Spirit of God that lives within you. And that's the beauty of this life that we have. We don't have to live in mediocrity. We don't have to live in just the humdrum. We don't have to live, oh, oh woe is me, man. We got, we got some victory going on that I don't think the church even has stuck its big toe in yet. I know I haven't. I want more of what the scripture talks about when it talks about the, the fire and the passion and the power of God's spirit. And so maybe you find yourself like you're just kind of going through the motions and, and something seems to be missing in your walk. Something just, is, it's, it's just not full. I mean, yeah, you come to church and you, and you serve, but, but there's just, there's a disconnect somewhere. Well, maybe, just maybe, maybe you were like Apollos was. You had all the head knowledge, but there was not the, the relational aspect. Or maybe you're like the disciples. Yeah, you're, you're, your sins are forgiven. You're trying to do your best, but you have yet to be given the power of God through the anointing and the baptism of the Spirit of God. Man, don't miss out on this stuff. Because this is, this, is this is what it means to walk in the authority of the Scripture. And for those of you who, you know, you, yeah, you, you're, you're there. You're, you're um, not arrived, but you're, you're there. You, you've received that anointing, that spirit. I want to encourage you to, to keep pressing on. This is what it, uh, Paul writes to the Colossians. He says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Live your lives in him, in him. Don't get caught up in all the intellectual stuff. Don't get caught up in all of the, the things that pull you away from Christ. Don't get caught up in, in all of the theologies that are out there. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for theology. There's a place to, if you're a Reformed, or you're an Arminian, or you're a Calminian, or whatever you are, a dispensationalist. There's all these big words out there that kind of categorize people and what they believe. It's okay, but the church has argued over those things since there has been a church. Because in, in that, I really believe, takes our focus off of Jesus. Jesus tells the, um, the Pharisees in John chapter 5, says, you know, you know, you guys look through the scriptures looking for eternal life. And the whole time it all points to me. And you miss me. Live your life in him. 
continue to live in him, rooted. That word rooted there is a verb. It's taking place. You are rooting yourself in the things of God. You're rooting yourself in the word of God. You're rooting yourself in prayer. You're rooting yourself in, uh, with, with community. You, you just don't, you don't just get to have a free pass. There has to be some engagement on your part or you're missing the fullness of God. And as you root yourself, as the roots go down into the scripture, as the roots go down into prayer, you begin to build yourself up. You have a foundation to grow on. That's not my words. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith. Faith is the activation of the gifts of God. Without faith, we're powerless. But faith, Jan now would say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith means you've got to step out and take a risk. Faith means that it's going to be uncomfortable. Faith means that I don't want to. Faith means that I'm going to get made fun of. Faith means I'm going to get it completely wrong and look like an idiot. I guarantee you've looked like an idiot without Jesus before. Just throwing it out there. So why not with? And so just, just let's just take a couple minutes um, and just think. Ask yourself the question, am I really on fire for the things of God? And if you're not, ask why. Have you received the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Are you living with passion, burning hot? Are you living, are you living in the abundant life that Jesus gave his life for so that you can have, so that we can have? It's his death and his resurrection and his ascension to heaven is why that we can have the Holy Spirit of God. That power that rose him from the dead is mine and yours. So where's your heart? Where's your walk? Are you rooted in him? Are you being built up in him? Are you strengthening your faith in him? Faith needs to be exercised. You gotta move it. You gotta use it or you're going to lose it. Let me just sit quiet for just a, just a minute and then I'll end us with some prayer. Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We repent of mediocrity. We repent of having one foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual. We want more of you. And so, Father, I ask that, that right now that those who have yet to receive the Spirit of God, would you would reveal that to them. And they could be prayed over. And for those that have lost their passion for the things of God, Father, would you restore it to them right now?
Just picture yourself receiving from the Lord. He's pouring into you right now. He's pouring healing into you right now. He's pouring power into you right now. But you have to put yourself in this place of receiving. settle for scraps. Don't settle for anything less than the fullness of God. And so receive in this moment, these moments of what you're lacking. Some of you have to let some stuff go. Let it go in this moment. Some of you have to change your mind. Change it. sense that there's there's unforgiveness that's holding you back be forgiven and seek forgiveness and watch those walls that keep you separated from the power of God fall I think for some you're really disappointed that God didn't come through for you and I pray in this moment that he would show you how he actually did. we thank you that you are pouring out your spirit even while we sit here and that you're working in the hearts of your church, of your sons, of your daughters. And I want you to know that the work doesn't stop here, but we have unlimited access to our Father in heaven. grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. I love you guys. I hope to see you next week.